Hi, so my name is Jory. Um, I'm a 12th grader and a student student at GACA. And today we're just going to be discussing population policy and how it relates to overpopulation. So we have a lot to discuss, so let's get right into it. What is overpopulation? Before we get too deep into it, let's review some terms. Overpopulation is described as an undesirable condition when the number of existing human population exceeds the actual carrying capacity of Earth. Now, carrying capacity is the size of a particular population that a given ecosystem can sustain over the long long term. (laughs) Population density is the number of individuals in a population per unit area. So now you may be wondering how overpopulation affects people. Well, overpopulation affects the community because this means the need for resources such as food, water, energy, and healthcare all increase. Well, now how does it impact the environment? So the earth is already being exploited and as populations continue to grow, it will only get worse. The Population Media Center states that consumption leads to ecological degradation, increased conflicts, and a higher risk of large-scale disasters like pandemics. We also state in a study by Wines and Nicholas from 2017, a family having one fewer child could reduce emissions by 58.6 tons CO2 equivalent per year in developed countries. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, overpopulation will lead to deforestation, decreased biodiversity, and increased pollution slash emissions, which will only make climate change worse. Through lots of research and studies, scientists believe that if we continue to live the way we are without making any efforts to change, it will completely destroy life on Earth as we know it. This is a truly scary thought. I mean, overpopulation will also lead to depletion of resources. The world only has a limited amount of land and drinkable water. Overuse and irresponsible use of energy resources, like coal, oil, natural gas, contribute to climate change. And ice melting, sea levels rising are both examples of of the effects of climate change. Poverty, homelessness, war, slash conflict, and starvation can all be attributed to overpopulation. There is also a relationship between unemployment and overpopulation. As the population continues increases, there might not be enough jobs to support everyone, which can in turn increase theft. Now, now, what can lead to overpopulation? This is a really important question because it's really not black and white. Um, it requires lots and lots of examination. So overpopulation can occur when the birth rate and death rate are not stabilized. The first example of, of population growth can be seen with the spawning of agriculture. When society transitioned from a hunting and gathering nomadic society to an agricultural one, there was a boom in population. Because there was more food and easier access to food, the population exploded. Poverty is a unique issue because not only is it a contributor to overpopulation, it's also an effect. When families did not have many opportunities or were faced with poverty, they had less families to compensate the high mortality rate. Now, this is just in respect to the United States during the Industrial Revolution, but it's also um, common in other places. Quote, in the absence of educational resources coupled with high death rates, which which resulted in higher birth rates, 
That is why impoverished areas are seeing large booms in population, end quote. This is a fact from Conserve Energy Future Organization. Families would have lots of children so that they could make money for the household, and this actually resulted in child labor. Immigration must also be included in the causes for overpopulation. Developed countries such as the UK, US, Canada, or Australia have great, med- have great facilities for medical health care, education, and employment. For these reasons, people tend to migrate to these places in massive numbers. Though we have experienced centuries and centuries of diseases and natural disasters, these calamities have not significantly affected overpopulation, which is it's crazy, you know? Overpopulation is a major issue in developing countries rather than in developed countries. This may seem like a little backwards. You know, I was also thrown off when I first like heard this fact. And this is because nations such as the U.S., Canada, or Russia are larger and, uh, and have bigger populations, landmass, etc., However, overpopulation is related to carrying capacity and the nation's state of, stage of development. Developing nations such as Niger and India have really, really high fertility and birth rates. The fertility rate is the number of births the average woman would be expected to have, and for Niger, that number is about seven, and that is a really high number. However, the probability of surviving is very low, so families will have lots of children and helps with them surviving into adulthood, adulthood, and in some cases, even into adolescence. But in a developed nation like the U.S., the birth rate and fertility rate are significantly lower. This is because women have significantly more opportunity in developed countries. Women have the opportunity to go to school and get an education, have a career, and date casually with many options for both birth control, health care, health education, and planned parenthood. This contributes to why populations are beginning to even out in developed nations. So let's actually look at uh, China's policy. So this one is a bit controversial. Uh, It caused some terrible outcomes, but it was successful in reducing and stabilizing the population. The policy that was was that the members of the Han population, which was the ethnic majority, would be heavily encouraged to have only one child. But let's do a little bit of backstory, okay? So the People's Republic of China, that's the official name for China, was founded in 1949, and an increase in sanitation and medicine resulted in a growth rate increase. However, there was a problem. There was a serious challenge to their population control, which was food supply. So as a result, they promoted birth control from 1955 to 1958. But a 1958 change in national policy encouraged people to have children to, quote, make China more powerful. But this was quickly halted because a famine, that is correct, a famine in 1962 led to 32 million deaths. That is incredibly extreme. And as you can see, there was definitely some yo-yoing in the population numbers. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the term yo-yoing, it is just basically a lot of drastic going back and forth. So finally, a mandate in 1979 led to the current policy that we now have, or that we now know of, which is the one-child-only mandate, specifically toward Han individuals. Those who do so get a certificate of honor, medical, nursery, and, I'm sorry, those who um, have only one child 
uh, get a certificate of honor, medal, cold nursery, and educational fees waived, and a monthly allowance. Now, those who have two children don't get these privileges, and those who dare to have three or more phased, and I quote, subsidized benefits for the third child and a potential denial of education. That is not all. In Chinese culture, males have historically been more favored than females. This is because of the belief that only men can contain in the bloodline and for their filiality. Now, attempts to have a male child have included forced abortion of female fetuses, forced sterilizations, and female infanticide. Sex screening even had to be banned in 1994, but selective abortions are still suspected of being a contributing factor of the 32 million more males than females under 20. I think it's a really interesting number that in, in the 62 famine resulted in 32 million deaths, but, um, you know, currently there were there was a, a, a study that showed that there are 32 million more males than females under the age of 20. I, I, that is an ironic. I really don't know what is. But, you know, as we've seen, China's national policies have gone back and forth and, you know, just like their population has. But there are multiple factors that need to be uh, considered when creating a policy. However, China just tried to tackle the visible issue. While it did technically work, there were still some other things that needed to be worked out, considered, and fixed. You know, creating a policy um, to control the population isn't just, okay, make the ethnic majority only have one child. There's a lot more that should be going into it. And, you know, as we just read or just discussed, China only tried to tackle the visual problem, but there were underlying causes and underlying factors that they may not have fully considered when doing this. And that's something that really shouldn't be overlooked when creating any kind of regulation, any government policy, public policy, or whatever. And while they saw the need to create something to, to fix an apparent problem um, um, yeah they saw the need to fix an apparent problem and did what they thought was best to handle it however um, this policy could have been handled with more tact and creating a policy isn't just oh this is the problem let's fix it you really have to consider more and um after being presented with this information you can really understand why certain public figures leaders politicians uh, people you know the public might think that we need you know some sort of population control but you know there are a lot of things that go into it but it is definitely understandable why a public policy would be needed because 
if we still doing things the way that we're doing them now in the future it's really not gonna cut it and so something needs to happen now somebody needs to take action but we can't just leave it all in the hands of you know our policymakers. we have to also take action even as citizens and be responsible people So now we're going to take a dive onto the other side of the spectrum. You know, some view overpopulation as a minor issue. You know, they may believe that a population, uh, that there shouldn't be a population policy, you know, because it may infringe on people's rights. Um, in China, their one child per, fam- per Han family rule seems to work. Um, and I can see uh, this side of the, of the argument as well as the other side. But let's do an example for um, really quick. And we're going to use the U.S. Now, the U.S. has made several strides toward progressing not only economically, but also socially. We've made advances in healthcare, education, medicine, etc. And while we're still a little behind in terms of treating women with dignity and respect, and not as the property of a man, there are still many options available. The picture of ideality is changing, women are working, they're going to school, doing what they want. But there's still misogyny and shame that women, many women experience. However, the stigma is changing. There are still many people, oftentimes men, who don't want to get with the, with the times or at least view women as more than a baby maker or a sex machine. However, we have resources, which is a giant step in the right direction. I mean, it's gigantic, colossal, it's huge. There are options to Planned Parenthood, contraceptives, Plan B, protection, literal health class. Women can go to school unapologetically and have careers. They can unabashedly get as many degrees, PhDs, JDs, masters, doctorates, or MDs as they want. Of course, I can only speak of women in the U.S., and while I understand why many people think a policy would be necessary, I think the U.S. should take a stance like Kenya, simply encouraging households to plan for their children. I think the U.S. could start by pouring a little bit more into their education system. They could spend time educating people, whether it's through a sex ed class or a class that educates young people about their options. In regards to overpopulation being a minor problem, it's not that true. I think that certain countries just handle it better than others. Countries like South Korea and Japan have really high populations for their landmass, however their population density is also really high. They, high, they have lots of high-rise built apartments, usually in the city, and not many houses, unless you're really far out in the country. I think to tackle this issue, countries just need to tackle the issues that lead to them. The ecologist um, has a quote in one of their articles called Debunking Overpopulation. The quote states, The consumption of the world's wealthiest 10% produces up to 50% of the planet's consumption-based CO2 emissions, while the poorest half of humanity contributes only 10%. Blaming human population growth, often in poor regions, risks fueling a racist backlash and displaces blame from the powerful industry, industries that continue to pollute the atmosphere. End quote. Developing nations often contribute the least to environmental problems. They release the least amount of CO2, for example. They often have to suffer the most damages from these issues, although they contribute the least. 
Another quote says, The problem is extreme inequality. The excessive consumption of the world's ultra-rich and a system that prioritizes profits over social and ecological well-being. This is where we should be devoting our attention. End quote. Personally, I think one of the main issues is that the world is that as the world and people evolve, there seems to be little to no efforts to change causes and effects of overpopulation. The earth could handle more people if we got our act together. The problem may not be overpopulation, but it might very well be not doing our part to protect the earth as population grows. For example, okay, so the population is, say, 100 people. If infrastructure is in place that supports fossil fuels or sustainable mi- or unsustainable mining, or well, the majority doesn't participate in things like recycling, riding bikes instead of driving a car, and let's say that of those 100 people, only about, say, 15 people worldwide are doing these good things. They recycle, use renewable energy, conserve energy, eat locally, etc., etc. The world would be okay for now, but, you know, in the long term, it would get worse. That's not including the rate at which the population will increase or decrease, but in this case, we're just focusing on increasing. Say the population increases by 0.5% each year. It's a little drastic, but I'm going to use it for my example. That would be 50 people each year. So by the fifth year, the population has increased to 350 people. Of course, things are going to be worse. If people are still overusing coal, harming the land through unsustainable agricultural processes, they will need larger amounts to support the growing population. But if they do it in the same way, it will only cause harm. In such a situation, it is not the overpopulation that is the problem, or even the things that potentially led to it. It is the mass amount of harm towards the earth, whether intentional or unintentional. Overpopulation is just a piece of the puzzle. It's the easiest part to blame. We should be focused on cases, causes, as well as prevention methods, even though it may seem late or small. Earth's resources are becoming exhausted, but that is because they are being exploited. The sole reason is not overpopulation. Overpopulation just makes it worse. If the rate at which we consume resources stays the same and the resources we consume stay the same, as the population increases, we will definitely be in trouble. The population is that people are only looking at a major effect of the problem of the main problem, which is a society of consumerism, fast-paced living, and inequality. There's little regard to anything as long as people can live comfortably. And so long as the usually wealthy people in power have all to say, not much can change and not much will change to ensure that they stay in power. Of course, from situation to situation, circumstances change. People may have a lot of children because they do not have access to birth control or because of religious beliefs. They may have children because they are poor and need helping hands, as in the industrial era, or they may have lots of kids because they want to and can afford it. It is a very valid concern to be worried about overpopulation, exhausting resources. However, it's even more important to have somewhat of an introspective view. We should examine how we are currently living and if we are currently living exhausting those resources. If so, which is pretty likely, it would be unfair to put all the blame on overpopulation, you know? How we live now is potentially very dangerous and although there is a growing concern for the earth and more people are becoming aware of the effect their actions have ecologically and environmentally they only make up a small percentage but let's dig in even a little bit deeper and explain why we don't really need a governmental policy or to take a direct 
action or approach. There are always ways in which the population can be controlled without implementing population control, such as regulations. If, taking the U.S. for example again, if the focus was put on creating and establishing institutions for women, institutions to advance their skills, protect them, and continue to widen their horizons, as well as normalizing family planning and making it widely accessible, the population could stabilize on its own. Yes, there are millions of children being born and millions of people immigrating to the U.S. However, the focus should be on creating a safe environment for everyone, not just slashing the population. Plus, by doing this, the people don't feel as though their power is taken away, you know? Doing this kind of puts the people in control, like they have a hold on their life and their household. Because population-wise, we're not quite in the red. However, the way things are currently, and if they do, change, do not change with haste, we will be in the red quite soon. Yes, yes, of course, overpopulation can become a serious issue. However, I don't think policing the population is the right choice just yet. There are preliminary steps that I think are more important right now. That if they are not changed very, very, very soon, some sort of population policy will be needed. Things like granting access to healthcare, education, birth control, things that politicians can do to help the people and fix the problem. If things like the wage gap, poverty, shoot, even the pink tax and employment were examined closely, this could ease the problem, or it could help ease the problem. Although the population is expected to continue stabilizing, there is still much work to be done in the developed world as well as in the developing world. Let's take a look at some case studies of countries who were working against, who are working against the overpopulation crisis, for lack of a better term, and did so without implementing a regulation. Of course, some other countries will be different from the U.S., so not everything I said before can be applied to these countries. So we're first going to look at the case of the Arbuckles. The Arbuckles are a family of soon-to-be 22. Mr. and Mrs. Arbuckle have 19 children and are expecting their 20th, and they claim each child to be a blessing. Now, as mentioned before, the Arbuckles are a special scenario. Having children is a sensitive case, especially having a huge family like the Arbuckles. A case like this has to be examined from lots of different angles, such as, can the Mr. and Mrs. support 20 kids physically, emotionally, financially? Can they provide them with their basic human needs per Maslow's hierarchy? How are they going to contribute to society? There, there are also further factors that may also affect why they have so many kids, like religious reasons. It's also super important to examine where the Arbuckles are. Do they live somewhere in the Midwest on a mountainous farm, or are they in a low-income area on EBT? Or are they in a developing country where the adolescent survivorship probability is low? Because not every single family is going to have 20 children, it may not be of utmost importance to put a policy in place because of a rare of one rare family. Of course, overpopulation will affect us, but it is most important that the population is stable and that we are not harming the earth. As we know, with almost all public regulations, there are always side effects. Sometimes they are somewhat positive and other times they are drastically negative. If you look to China again, who instituted a one child per family policy for couples in the Han population. They created this because there were growing concerns about population growth in relation to limited resources, specifically food. Han families with one child received benefits, while families with three or more children could potentially have their child's basic rights refused. 
While this policy was successful in stabilizing the population, there were several unwanted side effects, such as female infanticide and child abandonment. I'm not saying that all policies are bad or that they'll all result like this, but this is just one example of a country implementing only one policy and experiencing terrible externalities. A great example of an indirect policy is Kenya. Kenya's plan is based on the idea to match population to resources. Although the traditional culture emphasizes lots of children, Kenya has had great success decreasing fertility rates by simply encouraging and educating. They leave family planning to individuals, yet encourage smaller numbers of children due to limited resources. The fertility rate even went from 8.1 children in the 60s to 5.4 children in the early 90s. Once again, that fertility rate is how many children the average woman would be expected to have in her in her lifetime or in the period in which she's able to have children it's also really important to note that kenya has a life expectancy of 58 and was deeply affected by the hiv and aids crisis which has led to higher use of contraceptives and potentially i'm sorry quote and quote potentially much smaller numbers of individuals in the reproductive age cohorts end quote This just means that the disease has affected all Kenyans and the number of women able to reproduce is not a wide margin. Kenya is also one of the few countries in the sub-Saharan Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa that shows decreased rates of HIV and AIDS because of money poured into preventative programs. This could mean that Kenya is on its way to the next stage of development. As we previously saw with the China case study, implementing just one policy to control population may technically work, but it will have lots of side effects because of differing beliefs, at least in the U.S. It's more important to focus on what's causing it and how we can avoid it. Preventative care is the best care. Let's end it off with one more case study. A case study from India. India has been trying to address the population for over 100 years. That's crazy. They're the second most populous country in the world right after China. They have made several attempts to preventative programs. In 1949, some of the first efforts were from the combination of the Family Planning Association of India and the International Planned Parenthood Federation. However, these efforts only addressed the urban elite and not the uneducated majority. Similar to China, there is a cultural preference for male children. There's even a Punjabi proverb that says, raising a daughter is like watering a neighbor's garden. If you don't know, Punjab is a state in India with its own dialect called Punjabi. It's also the heart of India's Sikh community. Males tend to be the religious leaders, carry on the family lineage, and take care of the parents. There were five-year plans in 1951, 56, and 66, which focused on supplying birth control from family clinics. The plans also did research into demography and motivation and made lots of efforts to reach rural villagers. However, in the 1970s, a population state of emergency was declared and they began to sterilize women in the poorest regions, even rewarding doctors who sterilized the most women. This wildly unpopular policy seemed to focus on the sterilization only instead of trying to expand options. Currently, India is moving toward individual family choice and is striving to raise the status of women. It is speculated that the population of India will overtake that of China by 2050 with a much greater population density. As we can see, India has done trial and error trying to fix their problem. They have realized that many people with lots of kids come from poor and rural areas. Areas where the family will need lots of extra hands so that they can make more money. They know that things can change if the social and economic status of women 
I'm sorry, they know that things can change if they change the social and economic status of women, giving them more opportunity and resources. Although this was their latest attempt at population control, it's something that is going to directly help the people. I think this is the best thing they can do. They have evaluated the problem and have recognized that to solve the problem, they shouldn't only look at what needs to be fixed, but who needs to be helped. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to learn something new and gain a new perspective. This is unfortunately the end of the podcast, but it was a very interesting topic to research. And if I can say one thing, this subject is definitely not black and white, as with most scientific concerns. But I think the best thing we can do at this time that will have an impact is to make sure we change some of our own habits. I mean, with so many people participating in mass damage, pollution, and global warming, non-renewable energy, exhausting resources, it will inevitably cause damage. That if that, that detrimental population number, we are still behaving the same, it will cause catastrophic doom. So every now and then, you know, <laughs> ride your bike, start recycling, look into solar and wind power, and do your best to conserve energy and water. You can even start a garden, compost, or use less plastic. Happy day and happy earth saving. Thanks again so, so much for listening.